Welcome to the Cinephile History Fit Podcast, brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network and sponsored by Film Obsessive. This is the Tyrades Film Movie Debate, hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. <sighs> and I'm not me. Yeah, tired tired of the Oscar I'm, season, Will? Well, I'm tired of everything at this point. Uh-oh. But, uh, okay. but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about it. But I'm, I'm William Johnson. Um, mm. you, must, you, you love me, you really love me, or whatever she said. Hey, uh, juice but, the yeah. show. That's why we're here, you know? You bring Yeah, it. no, I'm definitely the you juice. Uh, ladies, and yeah, sure. we're, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we're damn glad to have you folks. This is all for Tantrum's sake. We're share passions and IFIs of Washington. Any place for hate. No matter what, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the history of it is on. This week, we're the beginning of two two-part show. Well, no, one one two-part show, two episodes. How do we say that? Just the first of two Oscar shows. Uh, returning to the Cinephile History of it podcast, because it is required, it is necessary, our friend, our Oscar savant, Katie Gleibel of The Blonde in Front. Hello, hello, hello. You see, gotta have it. Gotta have Much it. Much more excited than I am. I, look see, like. I know, right? <laughs> So, um, n- this is not a hissy fit, so no no goods, no bads, things like that. We're going to take it category by category. Uh, for this first show, we'll try to do under the title. We'll talk about um, some uh, some snubs, some surprises, who will win, who should win, throw some Vegas odds in there, and help you folks win your Oscar pool, because again, Katie's here. She's going to help us win. Yay. Um, let me start, though. I was looking at some statistics. Yeah. Okay, and I, and I think the reason why I'm not like that thrilled, and, and maybe this is par for the course, and I just never looked at the numbers before. But I just remember mm-hmm. when the nominations were announced, I was kind of like, "Oh, so the Academy saw like 13 films this year?" Because that's this just yeah. feels like there's a. And I was just looking at it in terms of multiple nominations. Okay, uh-huh. I mean that's two or more. Uh, there's only 15 films with more with two or more, and yeah. the top nine that have the most 13 down to five are all best picture nominees. Uh, uh-huh. The best picture with two that only has two is past lives, which is uh, bizarre to me, but um, yeah, it just, it kind of feels like there's really only like 15. Fi- I'm not counting like the short films and the documentaries and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but it just feels like just the main films. It just feels like there's not a lot of variety here in any category. And that's why it's, I'm kind of a little, a little, I don't know. Muff, uh, muffled or muzzled hear you. with my opinion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, it's like, so, I mean the, the nine highest ranked ones are best picture. That kind of makes sense, you know, mm-hmm. in, in terms of a quote unquote best picture. But as you and I talked about on our best of 2024, I only had two, two best picture nominees in my top 10 of the year and three total in my top 20, you know? So it's been yeah. kind of a, I mean, I, I've, I thought a lot of the stuff nominated this year, for best picture and all these multiple awards was, you know, I, I nothing bad. The only movie I had that was both sub three stars was, uh, uh, killers of the flower moon, but, um, mm-hmm. everything else was, you know, fine. It just yeah. it seems like a very fine year okay. you know, for the, the quote unquote prestige stuff. So that's probably why I'm a little bit like, Oh yeah. Sure. The Oscars. Yay. Cause I'm not really excited yeah. about a lot of these movies to be honest with you. So, Katie, what do you think? I think it's a good year for movies, but I think they're missing a lot of good films because of the chalk that made it in here. How do you feel? I, I definitely feel like they're missing a lot of good films. Um, I feel that I know I read somewhere. Um, I think one of our fellow critics um, said that maybe they put a lot of um, marketing behind some films to get them out there more and that's why they got nominations and recognized more and i understand that but i mean still i feel like there are a number of films that you know were at venice film festival that were at a number of other film festival and then for some reason they've just been tanked not tanked like by critics or anything like that but Mm -hmm. just not given the recognition that honestly they earned and deserved and Mm -hmm. When we talk about this, um, I, Don, you probably know the one I'm going to r- really be going off on that oh, yeah. um, should have gotten a lot of I agree. You and I, it's um, my number two, and it's I know it's in your top five. Oh, yeah. It's my number mm-hmm. one. And that, um, so. yeah, I feel like, I don't know. I was like actually looking at the year that um, Beasts of the Southern Wild and Amore yep. um were nominated and that was kind of like where did this come from and i want those years to come back where you have maybe some um, lesser known films that yeah. aren't like 
um, marketed everywhere, but they're solid quality films that should be getting this recognition. And Godzilla I, minus one. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. I had that. I mean, that's. <laughs> I just even, um. Yeah, I, I'm with Katie. Where at somewhere you've got to look past the flashy, the flashy, you know, the flashy PR and the pedigree names, and be like, hey, is this really one of our best films of the year? And if it's not, give it, give the spot to something else. Especially if you're going to do this mm. best picture field, you know, beyond five nominees and spread the wealth that way, because every year it feels like. And it's the day before the independent spirit words end up showing up the Oscars. Like those are the ones that quote unquote, yeah. get it right. You know? And sure. um, it's just, I, yeah. Well, I mean, this will come up when we get to our categories, but um, yeah, I'm, well, it's, 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 it's a weird year. Weird it's year. Yeah. weird because it's weird because you would think, okay, yeah, they're sticking to like names. Like, like I said, uh-huh. I didn't love the holdovers. I thought it was fine. Like, but it's like, oh, it's Alexander Payne. He's back in making a kind mm-hmm. of a high profile film. So, but at the same right. time, I mean, we've got the we've name. Got stuff. Yeah, the name gets him nominated. Scorsese's name gets him nominated. Uh, yeah, but at the same Ridley time, Scott, though, Ridley Scott gets Napoleon five nominations. Like, there's some there's some fluff here from Pedigree. Right, but at the same time, you've got you got somebody like David Fincher, Ben Affleck, Michael mm-hmm. Mann, all these guys kind of shut out. Also, too. yeah, good which point. Which is weird because it's yeah. like. Where uh, where's that coming from? Or, or even uh, yeah, Emerald Fennell, or mm-hmm. you know stuff yeah. like that, where it's kind of like, yeah, they're playing the typical Oscar game of the name gets more clout than I think mm-hmm. the actual films. I mean, to me, the the epitome of that is Killers of the Flower Moon. Agreed. To me, it's a completely I, mediocre I mean, movie. We'll uh, talk about this. The kids the say, yeah, but it's Scorsese and De Niro mm-hmm. and DiCaprio. But even within that, like. There's a lot of controversy about Barbie not getting yep. certain nominations, yep. but um, mm-hmm. and I know the films you guys are going to talk about, but I also know there's some other ones for me, like the fact that Air didn't get one nomination, kind of a, that one. middle ground, yeah. that middle ground movie where it's like mm-hmm. it's a crowd pleaser, but it's also got some Oscar people behind it, or the Iron Claw, yeah, you know, which yeah. is kind of like that that nice. It, it's kind of like that Jerry Maguire, uh, you know, against the English Patient. The Iron Claw has that mainstream like uh pull but also has you know actual artistic aspirations mm-hmm. and it's kind of like that seems perfect for the oscars yet you know yeah here we are with left no out. Noms. so it's weird all right no, uh, is it okay honestly, go ahead Katie. well you'll be surprised i'm with you in some of the films that you've mentioned because here i think go. air definitely um i mean for screenplay alone Oh, I feel cool. like it yeah. really got snubbed with that. I just just watching it again, I was like, this is an excellent, excellent mm-hmm. screenplay. I mean, they've got a number of monologues in there that it's like, this is award worthy. And yeah. yeah, but I feel like I, it came out too soon. I don't know. Right. No, I think there's something to that. There, um, when you go through the list of uh, the best picture nominees, and I'll say this more for next show than anything, but like there are, I mean, other uh, you can count Barbie and Oppenheimer as summer. They're just too big to forget so the bar, you know, the summer right. stuff. But then like um, past lives is the only thing that came out pre summer. <sighs> Everything yeah. else is late of the year back backlogged or you know back uh, backloaded stuff. So. And that tends to be whole true in many of the other categories as well. I think what we're trying to say is like, this was a really good year with a lot of depth. And it's, we're just seeing, not seeing that depth reflected in the Oscars because we can name five, six, seven movies that were shut out that all have a little piece here, a little piece there that should have been nominated to spread that wealth across the other things and places. And we just don't see it. So, well, it's, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm going to compare yeah. it to sports, sports this year. Uh, too. Uh-huh. Like, I know the Oscars is a quote unquote competition. It's hard to make art a competition, but mm-hmm. unlike other years, and this is the same way, like when you think about the NFL this year, NFL had probably one of the best rookie classes ever. The football was entirely exciting this year. It's one of the best years I've ever watched football. I mean, the first couple weeks were kind of rough, but then it just got so good. The storylines were so good. But then by the end of it, it was inevitable. You knew Mm -hmm. what was going to happen, what was going to happen. And the team that ended up winning wasn't even playing great in the regular season. They just were like, well, whatever, we'll wait till the playoffs. And then just what happened was kind of inevitable. This has the same kind of thing where it's like there's a great year. Lots of variety, lots of great stuff going on, but it's just going to be the same thing at the end. It's yeah, kind of yeah. anti, yeah, it's kind of uh, anticlimactic. And I kind of mm-hmm. feel like, you know, I've, I put, I've always put time into the Oscars. I put a lot of time into sports and it just kind of feels like this year. It's just like, does the regular season even matter anymore? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, I mean, I mean that in football and movies now, because sure. I'm just like, 
I'm just like, wow, past lives is a contender. And now it's only got two nominations yeah. and it's kind of given like a best picture just because it's there where I'm just kind of like, this is one of the best films I've ever seen ever. Well, yes. Like, you know, it's yeah. It's, Agreed. It's, it's the other thing tough. is, this is the other thing is the Oscars will air. What is it? March 10th, March 11th, where it's also, we're also three months into a year. It's always the slowest two months in the box office before where, and I say this every year, we are tired of talking about last year's movies in March. Mm-hmm. You know, like, let's get this over with, you know, a little faster than we do. Like, that's one thing Critics' Choice and the Globes get right is their awards in January, and then we can just kind of take our hands, wipe them like this, and we're done. You know, like, we can get to next year and keep moving. But this one draws itself out where... The nominations come out and it's like the end it's like the NFL draft. Like we know the draft order at the end of the season. We have four months of prognosticating that just drilled this fun into the ground. And here we are to talk about it. <laughs> no, I know and, and I, this is the year I, we said it on the episode too, on the episode where we did our best of the year. I'm you know, I'm not quite as established as a movie critic as you guys. I don't yeah. get access to as much stuff. I don't really write anything. Um, and this is the first year where I just went, you know what? Like I'm I'm not gonna go with I'm not going to go with one in terms of my favorites, trying to balance like what is like a legitimate award contender. What's going to like legitimize me mm. as a film critic, whatever. I just went with what I thought were the best films, the best and favorite films. Yeah. And that's why like, especially this year, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm done with 2020. I'm done. I'm like, I'm kind of done with it. Right. You know, I'm not, I've, I've, I've talked about it enough, especially after last year, which I think, you know, I felt like that season last year was endless. I felt like we were talking about 2022 for like seven months. It was like nonstop, you know? So th- this year mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like, if, if there was more variety to the, the awards and there was more possible um, surprises, a la Olivia Coleman yeah. over Glenn Close kind of thing, maybe I'd be a little bit more excited, but we all kind of know, I mean, we're going to talk about it in a minute, but it's yeah. pretty much going to be the Oppenheimer show. And that's fine. I loved Oppenheimer, my fifth favorite film of the year, but at the same time, it's not it's not for a great like broadcast, you know. Right, right. Watch. Well, we got a lot of categories to cover, so yes, sir. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a quick speed round of kind of the dartboard categories just to kind of push them out of the way. Um, no offense to these categories of the fine works, <laughs> but no one's no one's bringing popcorn for best documentary short film other than their parents, their producers, and their moms. So, in best documentary short film, we've got. Um, let me kind of get past the odds here for a second. We've got um, the ABCs of book banning, the barber of little rock Island in between the last repair shop and nine, nine and wow pow. And it looks like on the Vegas odds that the documentary short that's kind of leading the pack looks to be um, the last, yeah, the last repair shop. So uh, anyone have any feelers on that, especially if yeah, anyone's seen these. It's on Disney plus. Um, you can watch it and it's, it's delightful. Like I is watched it the, and I had yeah. no idea that um, this was even going on, that these people were like okay. preparing these um, instruments for kids. And that's like their one joy, like these kids, that's their one that's joy cool. that they can have, like something that they can go home and play and it's theirs that they can do this in their band and something. And it's, yeah, I can definitely see okay. that being the winner. I have root for that. Not only yeah. because I can watch it later, but because... Right, that's, that's kind of where cool. that's at. Yeah. Um, over it there, really in best- was. I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Like, I want to donate to uh, keep this going on because I don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's you know these people are doing this. Um, I as far as I know, I think they're doing it for free just to help these kids mm-hmm. out to like make sure they that's have awesome. these instruments, and that's amazing. All right, over in best live action short film, we've got the after. Invincible, Night of Fortune, Red, White, and Blue, and the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. We've got two pieces of pedigree here. You've got a headlining actor in David Oyelowo playing in the day after. Then you have Wes Anderson in line to win his, I can't believe I'm saying this, first Oscar if he were to take this category here. And that's the one that's on Netflix for everyone to see. Uh, Odds are putting it towards, um, yeah, Wonderful World of Henry Sugar. That's never a guarantee with this category, though. I've looked no, in the past. It, it's dartboard category. Like, yeah, it goes big everywhere. Name, big names don't necessarily get this award. I, I know yeah. that the, that one guy who plays who played Doctor Who won an Oscar for this category, but like, mm-hmm. there's been some big names in these like live action. Like Kenneth Branagh has been nominated in here. Right. Uh, Sean Astin's been nominated in here. Mm-hmm. Um, like Fisher Stevens, not like a huge name, but I think he no. won or, or what's yeah. Yeah, you know, so there's like a, there's a lot of big names that have been in this and and have not won. So I, I think they don't look at it by the name value on this one. Yeah, 
Katie, well, any insight I don't know here? if you guys have seen the after, but honestly, um, be pretty in good. my uh, snubs or the possibilities for best actor, David Eliolo in the after mm. has one of the best performances of the year. And it's an absolutely heartbreaking um, yeah. short. It's on Netflix. I mm. did not expect any. I mean, I, you know, I always go in not knowing anything. And it's it's one of those things that it just like stopped me in my tracks. Like he's always been an amazing actor and it's just a just like absolutely heartbreaking story. And he does such a poignant and amazing performance that it's one of those things that I feel like he honestly should have been nominated for one of the bigger awards just for his performance from it. I gotcha. Over in Best Animated Short Film, there's not a Pixar nominee this year. Normally, their one little hitter shows up here. Disney didn't do a live-action short before Wish, so you've got a Disneyless year. You've got Letter to a Pig, you've got 95 Senses, Our Uniform, Pachyderm, and War is Over, inspired by the music of John and Yoko. From what I can tell in the Vegas odds, the two contenders to keep an eye on are Letter to a Pig and War is Over, inspired by the music of John and Yoko. I we're in the dark sure. category. So I, I have not seen these. I know they send these out as a program that you can watch for press. I haven't watched them this year. Uh, I hear the animated ones are better than the live action ones, which is saying what it's saying. But uh, I can see music in John and Yoko being something people do because you know the, sure. the the aura of Lennon or you know that's all that. But I'm going to look up Letter to the Pig. Katie, you got any betting favor here? Or you're the, uh, you're with the, this yours. one, I got nothing, guys. I, okay. I'm blank on this. All right. Uh, Letter to a Pig looks to be a Holocaust. I, I hate to, you know, pick out the things that people vote for, but Letter to a Pig appears to be a bit of a Holocaust-related film where that tends to play a little bit. So, all right. Um, I'm going to jump over to the um, the smaller kind of like best feature kind of situations, but over in the subcategory. So in best animated feature, now we get to some of the stuff we I know we've got folks that have seen. We've got The Boy and the Heron. We've got Elemental. We've got Nimona. We've got Robot Dreams representing the indie side. And Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. It's easy to see. The betting odds point to Spider-Man. But what do you all like in this category? Well, my favorite animated film of the year was a nominated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mayhem. I think that should at least have been nominated. It was super creative, mm-hmm. very stylish, very cool. In in the in the spirit of like the Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, yeah. kind of had that. But it it wasn't in there. So if I had to choose, I mean, I mean, this might be Miyazaki's last film. I mean, sometimes I when you think about Oscars, you got to think about that because yep. you never know if they're going to honor somebody again or whatever. I don't know. Uh, um, I can I'm see that go, because. I'm gonna go with yeah. that more than the heron. Yeah, and I enjoyed that movie a lot. It's pretty pretty trippy and messed up, so I liked it. I'll um I'll back my par- podcast partner there. I think as obvious as Spider Man could be, they know they have one more after this. They can kind of do the Lord of the Rings thing and honor the whole trilogy at the end. Where if this is your chance to award Miyazaki, I think they take it. I mean, he's won before, but mm-hmm. it's it's kind of the final so one. And I and I don't think I don't think the Spider Verse sequel was as good as. The first one, which did win the Oscar. True. Um, So, yeah. And I think the the kind of bad publicity behind it, too, could either work in its favor or against it. The fact that they kind of like were abusing animators, you know, Mm. to get it done could be like, you know. Yeah. Are you going to are you going to honor the people that put the people through all that? torture <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so, i don't know katie what i do you know think? nothing about this juicy tea oh my goodness <laughs> well yeah the, okay. the the animators were working like 100 hour um, weeks or something it was insane like they were being it's kind of like what marvel was doing with the visual effects artists too mm-hmm. i mean this is obviously a different marvel branch but this is all sony not even marvel yeah yeah basically the the animators were being pushed you know to the brink of exhaustion and working too much to finish the movie you know um yeah it was a, it was kind of a big deal for a little bit they were like oh yeah hey remember remember how great spider-man is it's because they tortured their workers to finish it like it's not not wasn't a, a pleasant story you know mm. it kind of reminded me of the video game days when video game companies would make people work like 110 hour weeks with no vacations seven days a week to finish games on time this is kind of felt the same way yeah. they, they were kind of rushed into getting this movie done katie who's your winner here? Uh, well, sorry, I, I, Spider-Man was my number five film. I get it. Uh, I, this, I did not know any of this going into this. I think it's one of the, if not the best Spider-Man film 
like ever. Mm. Uh, I think it's just, I mean, watching that film, I was just on a whole other level that um, human beings could even create this. I have not seen The Boy and the Heron. I will admit that, that I have not seen that. But I did think Elemental was absolutely adorable and lovely. Mm. And I feel like that got crapped on. And I really liked Mona. I'm a Nimona yeah. guy, you know, in my, my heart me, goes into Mona, my brain goes elsewhere, but yeah. Yeah. For me. Um, yeah. It's Spider-Man. The juggernaut. Huh? All right. Okay. I'm going to pop this over to uh, best documentary feature. We have uh Bobby wine. The, pre- the, this is also like Will said, the, 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 the award season frontrunner gets snubbed on, on the regular here with this category. So um, Bobby wine, the people's president, uh, you have the sharp, uh, the eternal memory. You have four daughters to kill a tiger and 20 days of Marvel. And the, the one that's missing out there that most people have seen a little bit more regular is the still a Michael J. Fox movie, which mm. tends to be the, the people's choice in a lot of this sort of thing. You've also got the sports docs over there where none of that stuff plays. Um, this is, this has become unfortunately kind of a dartboard category because that front runner is never there. Um, Vegas is saying 20 days of Marvel, but uh, that's I the one I've seen, seen get the most publicity. Same. Like I yeah. see that pop up a lot. Like I see a little bit of to kill things. a tiger. I see a little bit of kill to kill a tiger, but not not as much as I see for twenties marble. So, mm. hey, there's a guy named Oppenheim nominated in this category, so maybe he'll get lucky. Be. Yeah, <laughs> so. like oh, it must be from it must be from Nolan. It's a prequel. What do you think, Katie? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think Bobby Wine, the People's President, um, has a chance. Okay. It's on again. It's on Disney Plus, so a lot um more people have a chance to watch it. So that's um, something I know, you know, everyone thinks like, oh, you know, they'll get the screeners and all that stuff. But I don't know. I feel like some people just miss out on a lot of these they films. They really Which, do. Yeah, I do feel like there's a lot of documentary features that could have been in here that um, were stronger contenders. Um, but, um, yeah, I think Bobby Wine has a shot. Okay. Um, I'll do one more here, then we'll take our little break where we've got these little small stuff done, then we'll switch to music and the, te- and the arts and tech stuff. So uh, last one here before we take a break is Best International Feature. We have from Italy, Al Capitano. Oh, Godzilla, from, right? Uh, Japan gave it to Perfect Days, directed by, I believe, a German I, man. Uh, so Godzilla's so going to win. Yeah, is, okay. is Vim Vendors even... He's, I know he's not Japanese. Vim Vendors is German. So you have a German guy stealing Japan's nomination. It's supposed to be pretty good. Uh, but is it Godzilla minus one? No, it's not. So you have Io Capitano from Italy. You have Perfect Days from Japan. Uh, Win Winders is uh, kind of the, the pedigree of that category there. Uh, Society of the Snow from Spain by J.A. Bayona. You have the Teacher's Lounge from Germany. And you have uh, the Best Picture nominee crossing over here. You have the Zone of Interest, from, which is hilarious, from the United Kingdom, directed by... Is Jonathan Glazer even British? Is he... He's English. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Vegas, this is easy. Vegas odds is putting it to the, the highest pedigree thing here, which is Zone of Interest. So, I thought that was a Polish film. I mean, because uh, <laughs> everything in it was no. I mean, everything in it said it was from like the Polish Film Institute and all a lot of the actors. I that's where Danish, Poles. And I think I that's like, where backing and stuff goes, and they're shooting it. I don't yeah. want to say on location, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, I think that's the winner here. I mean, it's the biggest clout and pedigree thing. If I do a should win, I'm a Society of Snow guy. That was close to my yeah. top twenty. So. Because I just um, know what's great. I but yeah, I'm going with the zone of interest. Mm, you're one of those people. Got it. Yeah. No. I. Uh, I mean, I'll go with zone of interest. I mean, how has there been a time when <laughs> one's been nominated for best picture and did not win international feature? I mean, that seems kind of impossible. when there's this crossover. Yeah, like it's yeah. kind of the the big hitter from this category gets to go play with the big boys. It's rare that they lose. I mean, it's often that they lose, of course, in the big in the big category. But it, they normally get to sweep one back down here. So this I, is, I know. This one. I think this would be a whole lot more interesting if there, like, if it was head to head with its fellow nominee Anatomy of a Fall. Yeah, yeah I, I, I yeah, that would be interesting. I think um, before there was like you know up to ten nominees for Best Picture. I remember Amelie was a mm-hmm. really highly praised movie that wasn't nominated for best picture, but was nominated for best international features. That one seemed like the obvious choice. And it did yeah. when that happened, I know that. And that was like as close to a best picture without being a best picture. Cause that was back when there was only five nominees, which right. is how it should be. Um, um with- but, uh, yeah, this one is, I mean, well, all, all quiet on the Western front one last year, right. Parasite one couple yep. years yep. before. So uh-huh. I see the, hit, the year, hitter wins. Yeah. This should be the the easiest one to guess. Zone of interest is going to win. 
And if they're if they're trying to spread the wealth in terms of like giving some international pedigree in some places, like this is the place to give it to the best picture nominee because it's not going to win screenplay, it's not going to win director, it's not going to win best pic- best picture. But so this is the spot to honor that big effort in that big film. And it's a, it's not. I don't think it's the best film in this category, but it's a very fine film, and I, I get I get the love for it. So mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. It's my well, before we get too carried away with other things, uh, hang tight and please ensure, enjoy this short announcement from our Rubenations Radio Network. You've seen Twin Peaks all the way through, but all you have are spoiler-free discussions? At Blue Rose Task Force Podcast, no information is classified and nothing beats the listening sensation when production history collides with deep theory. Put the coffee on. All right, welcome back. Um, hey, let me pop this to music. Make hey, get this lighten this up a little bit. Best original score. We've got American Fiction by Laura Cartman. We've got Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny by John Williams. We have Killers of the Flower Moon by the late Robbie Robertson. We have Oppenheimer by Ludwig Göransson, and we have Poor Things by Jerskin Fendrix. Best score thoughts category in people here. Uh, Ludwig is kind of the new glory boy of the Academy. Sure I think is. he's nominated yeah. every year. He he wins when he should. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be it's gonna be Oppenheimer. Um, it is. I don't think I think the score is pretty essential to the movies, like how the movie functions. Whereas I think the other ones are more incidental, which is what a score is, and that's how you have to sometimes, you know, bring yourself above the fold. Is you make it more than just background noise. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of this is background noise. To be honest with you, other than the I Killers of the Flower Moon one was is good. I like it, but it was just kind of the kind of reminded me of Eyes Wide Shut, where it was just kind of the same thing. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a dirge. It's there. Long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna I, go Oppenheimer. I I, I like. I mean, I like, like Gurrenson. I don't think this is anywhere near his best Oscar nominated work because I think I think we're just playing with noise here. Um, I get that it, the tension can come from the noise and all that. Mm-hmm. I would love to. I know I'm not a Killers of the Flower Moon guy. Um, but I do like what Robbie Robertson did where if I'm going to do the moon music that helps kind of drive the film along, I like what Robbie did in Kills of the Flower Moon more than Oppenheimer, where that would be my my should win, I guess. But, uh, it, you know, it's I'm with, yeah, Oppenheimer is going to just rake here. So, Katie, what do you think here? I think it's going to go to Oppenheimer. I mm-hmm. honestly really wish that The Zone of Interest was nominated for Best Original <sighs> Score. because it's tough one that- there score in that film was just like a freaking razor against yeah uh, that's michael levy it, who's it reminded really me it reminded me a lot of all quiet on the western front where it mm. was kind of unexpected some of the sounds and stuff that they were making from the score yeah kind of offset the imagery because remember like all quiet on the western front it was something like this very electronic like you know thing and you were like what the yeah. hell this has nothing to do with the one but it, it worked and the same thing with zone of interest there was kind of these off-putting mm-hmm. the, the, the score helped the setting by being so weird and it's out of it's hard because there's it's hard because there's just not a lot of it there's some in the beginning there's some in the end there's not a lot in the middle and that doesn't help it so if you give mike and levi the whole movie and not just beginning and the end you got something there, but uh, yeah, pass on that one. If I'm going tr- more traditional or something a little different, um, Daniel Pemberton for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, I think that's a hell of a score with with thematic stuff, with, with p- you know, pacing your action, get something going. I'd put that in this category in a heartbeat, but um, a tough category. Weak, weak, weak. I don't want to say weak year for scores because you love seeing John Williams nominated, but um, and I like some of the more um, jazz incidental things that are out there. Like I think Ruskin had a nice score. American fiction is kind of in that jazz side of things. Uh, you've got, um, Oh, uh, even origin has a very nice, um, jazz and piano motifish. It's kind of score. Yes. Where it's non-traditional, but, um, but still plays well versus some of these things that are just kind of, again, noise. Like I couldn't hum you a verse of poor things. Um, Oppenheimer, I can hear the dirge killers of flat moon. I can hear that, that guitar beat. But after that, I'm, I'm a little lost here. So in this category, mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think it's um, this for the films that came out this year. It definitely is a weak year for scores. Yeah. I honestly, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I love John Williams, but I was honestly surprised that Indiana Jones uh, and the Dial of Destiny because I don't feel like it was any different than any of the other Indiana Jones films. I so I don't I understand why that would signify it for getting a nomination. But this is a spot. I mean, yeah, go ahead. It's John Williams. I mean, he's, yeah, he's a, you know, a treasure. So mm-hmm. I get that. But yeah, I think it's going to go to Oppenheimer. Okay. 
I think um, yeah, I think scores are kind of getting lost in this day and age. Just I think because so too. everything's very music heavy. Like mm-hmm. I mean, what I mean, I, I mean by like song assembled differently too. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, over in best original song, we have the mm. annual Diane Warren Appreciation Society song of the Fire Inside from Flame and Hot. <laughs> you have uh, I'm Just coming. Ken from Barbie. You have um, there's two Barbie ones here. What I, what was I made for? You have um, uh, Wazahasisi, uh, a song from my people. I have no clue if I pronounced that right. A song from my people from Killers of the Flower Moon, and we have It Never Went Away from American Symphony, which is a song from a documentary. That's John Batiste. Uh, an interesting category where you again you have no Disney movie song here, uh, which is normally you've got you got one annual hitter a year where I guess Wish didn't have anything worth it. So this is, and then you got the Barbie nomination of two nominees here. Katie, how do you, I'll go to you first here. How do you feel about this category? What's winning here? Uh, this may be one of the the category that actually um, made me flaming hot because I think, Ooh. to be frank, this category is bullshit. Uh, this is this year of anything had the like a plethora of it songs that could have been nominated that signified that Jeff Thank that you. just were the epitome of what the films were. And I do not agree with these nominees. Like, I mean, I, gotta, I do two, think two that I'm just Ken yeah. and what was I made for? Yeah, they um, are justified. Mm-hmm. Song for my people. Uh, honestly, get I get out. why yeah. that is um, nominated. <laughs> but it's the one that I think of. The fire inside. No. Um, there's a song from theater camp that should have been nominated. There are songs from elemental. There's Mm -hmm. so many different songs from different movies that again, this is just a year that I, and it just, this is honestly a category that just really enrages me. I do think it's probably going to go to what was I made for, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, they love Billie Eilish and Phineas. She's won two now, right? They both won two at this point. It's the meaningful, it's the message-filled song. It, it's 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 the one made for the Oscar stage. Because you can't tell me Bill Ash is not going to get up there, get the soft lighting that Lady Gaga has gotten in the past, and just bang that ballad out. It's just well, so right. Good. But she's also That's the one. She's kind yeah. of a favorite, right? I mean, she's won twice now. Yeah. She is the won twice. She is the uh, odds-on mm-hmm. favorite. The only thing close to her is her co-mate. Is I'm just Ken. So yeah. No, I Everything just mean like I just mean like she won for. Uh, no time to die, but didn't she win last year too uh-huh. for something? No. Okay, so she's won once, yeah. but still, mm-hmm. she's kind of a favorite there. I, yeah. The only one that I've actually listened to on my own is "I'm Just Ken." That's the most fun. Um, I agree. Um, I have a feeling for the sake of not pulling another Irishman, maybe they'll throw it out there for "Killers of the Flower Moon." Oh, come on. Uh, yeah, I'm not I saying want, I want people to. It. I'm just saying. I'm I just know. saying. That's. Yeah. I can see them doing it for that reason. Yeah. Uh, but I'm gonna. Yeah, I agree with you guys. What was I made for? Which I don't even really remember Same. all that much. But. I know it's there, and it's playing on Top Forty Radio, where it's got the highest profile, other than its own. Other than I'm just Ken. So, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. I'm gonna pivot. Um, so I'll stay. In the auditory lane with best sound, we have The Creator, we have Maestro, we have Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, we have Oppenheimer, and we have The Zone of Interest. Uh, Katie, I mean, you go first in this one. Oh, yeah, okay. Me? Mm-hmm. Uh, zone of Interest. This, yeah. I mean, no offense, but uh, if this doesn't get, if the sound doesn't go to Zone of Interest, uh, I may boycott the Oscars next year. because I, which, I hate to tell you. I know, yeah. I know, I know, but I mean, yeah. my God, the movie would not be what it I is agree. without the sound. Mm-hmm. Like the movie, right like, like all the everything that goes on in the background when you're in the theater, like if, and especially when you're in the theater, and even actually at home, because I, I made well. sure to show this to um, friends so they could watch it because they don't know, um, they don't even know where it is, and it's like I have them turn it up so they could hear. Everything in the background that they wouldn't normally pay attention to and also go in not knowing anything about the film and Mm -hmm. the sound in this film just I Mm -hmm. say that this film just is like an atrophy to my soul because of like everything about it. But the sound Mm -hmm. in this film, I just think is it's. It's what yeah. sound was made for in films. I agree. That roaring, that unmistakable roaring fire in the background. And then you intermix that with 
the gunshots and the screams and you have it just far enough away that it's not in your face, but close enough. You're like, what the fuck was that? And Oh shit. I know what the fuck that is. And it's jarring. Um, This is an admittedly a really hard category because from a volume, uh, from a volume in terms of a mountain standpoint, the creator has really, really good sound. Um, Mission impossible. When you give an action movie and you kind of click on the suspense that you can do with that kind of thing. And every tile, every tire squeal, every, you know, the big, the big blockbuster level of sound is all there. I'm a maestro guy where holy shit, Bradley Cooper to shoot those, all of those musical numbers live in, in shot and not do that shit in post is amazing to me. Yeah. Um, but, I- yeah, the odds on guy here, I hate to be that person that's going to make Katie mad, but Oppenheimer is is the betting favorite here, not in Vegas. I know, I know. I don't want yeah. it to be. I don't want it I, to be. I would think Zone of Interest would actually have the third best chance after my show. It's got two. It's they got, do like, uh, yeah. they do like music stuff. Because music yeah. stuff usually gets a lot of sound love. Anything that involves like vehicles and yeah. music. They, you're... The, you're your yeah. betting order is Maestro. It's a slim. It's like one to three. Zone of interest, nine to four. Maestro's third. And then distant is your big action stuff where the nuance is gone mm-hmm. and, the, and the fine stuff is out of there. So, yeah, I'm going to go yeah. Oppenheimer. I agree with Zone of interest should probably win, but it won't. Yeah. And I, I would, I would think it'd be Oppenheimer, Maestro second, Zone of interest mm-hmm. third. Interesting. Interesting. I'm going to bring this over to, um, let's go film editing. Uh, since that kind of tends to be, since we're kind of tipping our tan towards, Best picture. I know there's that old stat that 60% plus of best film editing winners go on to win best picture. And if anything, this is this a sample of what should be the final four. And funny enough, it probably or final five in the best picture race. Funny enough, it probably isn't. You have Anatomy of a Fall. You have The Holdovers. You have Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, pass. <laughs> Oppenheimer. <laughs> well, that's Thelma Schoonmacher. I mean, another, it's a John Williams nomination, the editing field. You have a great getting their great nominations. Yeah. Um, you have Oppenheimer and you have Poor Thing. Uh, Will, you go first in this one. Where should this one go? Uh, it's going to be Oppenheimer uh, because I, of, yeah, I, think so. uh, I would say Oppenheimer first, Anatomy of a Fall second. It's, it's because of the, I think, I know editing, there's a lot of stuff that goes into editing, like sure. shots and stuff, but I also think the way that a story is structured yeah. uh, is important. And I think there. Oppenheimer, since it has that typical Christopher Nolan, uh, you know, uh, lack of uh, chronological order, uh, mm-hmm. that's why I would think. Um, Second, secondary would be Anatomy of a Fall because it also plays with structure. There's structure and stuff like yeah, that. But Oppenheimer is such a, I think it's just such a colossal technological achievement. Like I said, this is going to return to the king everything. Yeah, and just win all the technical stuff that pretty much all the technical stuff it's up for. Um, so I'm going to go Oppenheimer. I know, it, I know it sounds lame. Yeah, I know. But uh, I, I'm going with it. Katie, you go next. I agree. <laughs> Sorry, I agree with Will. I think the way Christopher Nolan uh, intertwined, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Oppenheimer when he's a graduate student, then when he's in charge of um, Los Alamos, and then um, when he's on trial, like later on, you know, and especially seeing Emily Blunt's, I mean, the way they edit that to show Emily Blunt um, giving people the dirty um, eye. Um, the evil eye and all that stuff. I think that's the best editing right there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mainly it's her performance, but I think, um, yeah, I think Oppenheimer is going to win editing. Yeah. I, I'm, um, if I'm thinking of like, just choice, of, I know like you, like Will said, there's a lot of things that go into it, but um, I, if I was going on quality of work, like when you really get that razor out and look at how you put it together, I'm an anatomy of the fall guy, you know, to put that trial together, like, even if it's just the the classic idea of one shot, one shot, one person, one shot to the other talker and like a courtroom level, just ping pong mash of camera shots and views. But the way they put that together with the, also with the crime and all that, I, I just like an enemy to fall from an editing standpoint, but no, this is Oppenheimer. Um, um, I wouldn't put killers of five moon. I love to see the old holdovers here, you know, to kind of like, you know, choose every shot, t- honing that movie into keeping the propulsive momentum of being stuck in one place. Like, how can you get propulsive momentum being stuck in one place? And then I get why Poor Things is on here, because you have an odyssey that is shaped to be a kinetic monster, which is fun to see. But yeah, this is Oppenheimer. Um, let me switch it to uh, best uh, production design. Um, in this category, you've got Barbie, you've got Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, out of fucking nowhere, uh, <laughs> Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Four of these things belong. Well, I, mm, 
Yeah, I guess Killers of Flower Moon is pretty good. You're making that set out of nowhere. So um, I'll go first. Um, come on. This has to be Barbie. You're making the most semi-artificial thing look in, absolutely corporeal in terms of um, embracing the plastic but still being unique where I, I've never seen another a better production design maybe this decade, let alone this year, where just what you do with what you want to make it look like is better than any period set you can ask for. Better than recreating Los Alamos Village, if, and then poor things pretty good. Where you, you're, you know, that's Yorgos Lanthimos, where he always finds the right house and place to kind of, you know, have his little play things go around in. Whether it's the favorite or it's, you know, the lobster, where he picks fun. That's location shooting, which is fun too. But uh, yeah, come on, this has to be Barbie, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. Say it. I think I think I'll go poor things. I think they're going to go with uh, okay because it's got that dreamlike. It does, you know, steampunky, mm. otherworldly kind of thing. Not that Barbie is an otherworldly, but I think yeah. I think Barbie, you know, is just happy to be nominated. I think I think in a lot of the stuff. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying yeah. that I, th- I think that it's too much because we talked about this every year. I think it's too much of an IP thing for them mm. to give it too much love, especially because mm. it's a lot of it is prior yeah. design, just making it maximized for the big screen. It's Barbie stuff that's existed for a long time, whereas Poor Things is seems to be coming directly from the imagination. So I, I think that might be. The, the thing that tips it over. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going with. Katie, are you splitting this vote or going another direction? I'm going Barbie. And I think Thank that you, Wonka was a uh, snub big time in this category. Right. I agree. Honestly, after I watched Wonka, I thought, um, I actually said in a review that, uh, Wonka is giving a Barbie, you know, some competition and production design and then to see that it's not even nominated is yeah. a bunch of crap i'll i'll throw one will's way guardians of the galaxy volume 3 wasn't nominated here and it deserves to be it's a little crazy but the ship yeah. designs are great um the space stations are fun and the textures of the planets and stuff like that um and then you've got the little weird little town they go to on the alternate universe and then obviously mm-hmm. nowhere with the uh, i think there's some I, that and unlike ant-man there's some set design going on there where I w- I'm tipping my hat to Marvel, where Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three should have been. I wonder yeah. if I wonder if it they didn't do it because technically some of the sets had appeared before in the Christmas that's special. Tough Maybe. technicality there. I don't know. We've seen sequels in this category. Come on. Well. Yeah, I know, but like there, there wasn't, with the exception of maybe like the throne room and you know Black Panther. The it was pretty much all different. There was something yeah. that distinguished it differently from the other ones. I think this one they actually used most, not most, but some of the settings and everything in that Christmas special, which might, I don't know. I mean, hey, oh, the, the Oscars have been maybe. weirder before yeah, yeah, about scores being reused and, and stuff. So, sure. I mean, maybe that's why they were like, oh, we already saw it. We already, you already, you built it for something else. Yeah. And then put it in this movie. I don't know. It's kind of hard to. Interesting. Yeah. Say. Yeah. Okay. All right, we've got two votes of Barbie, one for Poor Things. Uh, betting odds in Vegas, Barbie is a double favorite over Poor Things. Poor Things close, then everything else is distant through the fourth, fifth. Yeah. All right, let me take it to and the same production design. I'll keep the uh, uh, no, I'll go to costume design. Let me go costume design and make Barbie two for two here. We've got Barbie by Jacqueline Duran. We have Killers of Far Moon by Jacqueline West. We have Napoleon by Janty Yates and David Crossman. We have Oppenheimer by Alan Marajnik and Poor Things by Holly Waddington. Costume design, I'll be the guy that does it again. This, sh- I, I, even if they're existing dolls, you still got to cut them up and turn them into real things. Sure. I'm going Barbie here. Barbie deserves to win. I don't know if it will win, but it deserves to win. Uh, I'm gonna go poor things again. Um, I see why. I know. Right. I know the betting odds aren't there, but for the Let sake see of the betting odds here, yeah, being different, but, being different for our pools or whatever. I mm-hmm. mean, the likelihood of me pulling two dark horses out of this is not is not high, hey. but. But Cover your bases. Yeah. Um, betting odds wise, it is Barbie, and then poor things is very close. Everything else is third, fourth, and fifth. So yeah. Katie so- again solved this tie. Barbie. I mean, Thanks. yeah. I Can honestly don't even understand why Oppenheimer is in that category. Oh, I mean, me I think they neither. did a nice job. Oh, no, but no, I, but no, I, I, think- I definitely think it deserves it. I mean, in terms of in terms of just the quantity and uh I'll trade you. I'll trade you your guy again, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 for Oppenheimer in a heartbeat. I would say that. I would also say the boys in the um boys in the boat actually mm-hmm. had 
That's a number of people, and they um, had enough, even the extras in that, and all of the costumes in that were like spot on. And I I'll thought were the, beautiful. I actually think know, they, I'll take they the did Iron a better Claw. job in that than Oppenheimer. I'll, I'll take wrestling some, tights. I'll take the 80s of air. I'll take a lot of things before I'll take Oppenheimer. I'll take, uh, I'll give you a dark horse here. How about yeah. polite, polite society? That now would have been great. Mm-hmm. Just with all the beautiful like hybrids of that yes. kind of ancient in, Indian dresses and 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 uh contemporary wear. I, I thought that was beautiful. Sure. I agree with you on Iron Claw. Um yeah I, I mean I'll do I'll do the creator. I'll do Godzilla minus one. Godzilla There's lots of places one, yeah. I go. Well the authorities are here to tell you how your picks yes. are bad. Yeah, I know they're gonna be like, "Hey, you, you chose poor things twice." Or, or is that Lauren Knight coming to the house and be like, "Guys, you didn't get me on the show." No, huh? no. Hey, you know, okay. you know. Uh, real quick, just to backtrack to production design, the one, yeah, and also costume too. The one I haven't heard that I, I've heard a lot of people complain about is Asteroid City not getting nominated. I thought that was pretty for shocking. for costume production, design, production design, and costume. Uh, I I I put that over Napoleon finding nice finding nice interiors yeah 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 I mean Wes Anderson goes to another level see to me Wes Anderson is like where Barbie was going like you have to manufacture these fantastical things that still look kind of grounded and can you make them wacky can you make them good and can you make them bright and make them sunny and maybe the the bright and sunny vote went to Barbie instead of Asteroid City that and it's again backloaded like Asteroid City was like May no one's gonna remember it and here comes Napoleon so I get it why it's there. Sure. Sure. All right. Um, we got two left, and we're gonna make it under an hour just in time. Well, no, three left. Three left. Three left. Um, I'll do best makeup and hairstyling. Shockingly, not nominated as Barbie. In the meantime, you have two prosthetic works for Jewface. We have Golda, oh and we have Maestro, where the internet broke their minds on that one. And then you have Oppenheimer. Then you have Poor Things, and then you have Society of the Snow. Um, betting odds wise, I don't know where this one is. I'll let you guys talk about. Did uh, Bradley Cooper do the makeup for Maestro? He did not do his own makeup. Sorry, okay, then it's gonna then it's gonna win. Oh, really? Okay, you're going maestro. Okay, I'll, I'm gonna go Katie, maestro. what do you think here? Poor things. Willem Dafoe's face. I mean, That's that right one. there deserves good all one. of the awards. That's okay. true. It is pretty good. I uh, but I, I do think when they trans well, I mean Willem Dafoe. <laughs> I was just gonna say when they transform an actor. I mean, but Willem Dafoe kind yeah. of goes unappreciated. For how many weirdos that he plays, whereas I think like Bradley mm-hmm. Cooper is completely unrecognizable. I uh, agree. It as my as maestro <laughs> as maestro. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna go. My, I'm gonna go maestro. Definitely not Golda though. I don't think that's gonna happen. I'll, um, no, I Golda is last in the Oscar bets here. Um, the bet, the betting odds in Vegas say Maestro. Poor things not far behind, and then distant, distant till you get to sides and snow. Oppenheimer, Golda. I'll be the guy that puts a bow on Maestro. Um, if you're going to throw Bradley Cooper a bone uh, in this Oscar season, it might be the only bone my, Maestro. Well, that's what I'm saying. If he yeah. did it, if he had done the makeup, they it would not have won. Uh, yeah, but exactly. Yeah, but, but, it's going to win because I think they're. You got a high profile specialist here too with Kazuhiro, who's done some big stuff before. Yeah, where like th- that's a name you know it's not rick baker but it's the guy going right now yeah, yeah. i think at this point they're gonna make sure that like uh he's bradley cooper's like the diane warren of famous mm. actors like i think he's gonna get like 38 nominations before he wins it, if i know this will come up in the next show but he, he, i believe he's on 12 with no yeah, wins which i think is he's on lot. 12 that's amazing i'm telling you then he's gonna hit i said this on our other show like he's gonna hit the right thing like it, it i know this is just his sophomore feature wait till his third one wait till his fourth one the guy's gonna figure it out and it's gonna be the thing and i'm like, he's, too he's, he's too good the warren Beatty of our gen- generation he's i yeah. mean reds it's is coming, not like right? he mm-hmm. got you know what he didn't get stuff until reds i think and that was like yeah went at a decade after he started directing or something like mm-hmm. that. So yeah. I mean, he's got it's time. Coming. He's doing good yeah. work and he, I have no doubt he will continue to do good work. Okay. Um, best visual effects. Uh, the nominees are the creator. Finally, Godzilla minus one guardians of the galaxy volume three mission impossible part one and Napoleon, not Oppenheimer. Can't believe it. Well, I think it's because, the Trinity test. He, lied, he lied. He lied for a long time about there being no digital effects, and then they found out that wasn't true. Um, Thank you. So also, not everything has to be. To yeah, or but, not uh, everything has to be digital for this category anymore. Like, just have sure, good sure, effects. Sure. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, if I With, if I want something to win, I would want Guardians to win because it was my favorite movie of last year. There you go. I, think, I actually do think in this age of Marvel 
not doing a great job with visuals in the last couple of years. It's some of the best visual effects I've ever seen in my life yeah. in terms of like, the fact that you're making, I mean, I mean at the very least, like uh-huh. Gollum, there was an actor there like to right. emote, but with rocket and all his buddies, there's mm-hmm. nobody there. And to make that no, doesn't Sean, Sean Gunn plays Rocket. No, Sean, I think, yeah, I, the, Sean the body Gunn of Rocket. Rocket. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think I don't think he's there for like it's not like this screen capture with with a like uh, Circus and Benedict Cumberbatch. I think it's more for positioning to get them. Yeah, they got the green suit and the tennis ball on his head though. He's there. It's not. It's not complete so? imagination. I'm yeah, not trying he, to discount what they're doing, but it's not what you lot. think it is. Yeah. All right, well, I, I stand corrected. Uh, either okay. way, I still think it's some of the best visual effects I've ever seen in my life. I agree. I think – now, this is a tough category because uh, the creator, which I did not think was a great movie, but in terms of for being a lower budget mm-hmm. and uh, it looks fantastic, but I think it's going to go and it's going gonna, it's gonna to follow in the line of like an Ex Machina, 1917, things like this, movies with a lot of critical acclaim and low budgets are going to win. So I think Godzilla minus one is going to win because it only costs try hard to make. Yeah. And it's also like what? 99% on rotten tomatoes. So yeah, they, they don't tend to, they don't tend to give that stuff anymore to the transformers and the big Marvel movies mm-hmm. and mission impossible. They tend to give them to right. Critically loved low budget stuff like X Machina won a couple of years ago. It did. And that movie cost like a million to make. And it, mm-hmm. it did it because it was nominated for best screenplay. And they were yeah. like, okay. And 1917 didn't have the flashiest visual effects. No, but it was nominated for really Best Picture, year. so it was like, okay. Yeah. Um, so, Katie, yeah, what do you think here? Godzilla. Katie, what do you think here? Uh, I've not seen Godzilla Minus One. I know, I know. Um, Come on. I know. But I went twice. The I creator, I thought, is like visually had yeah. some amazing achievements that sure. just, I mean, they obviously cannot be done, but to me... I know for the ones that I've seen on this, I love Guardians of the Galaxy three. I think it's mm-hmm. great. I honestly don't know why Napoleon's in there. Well, I kind of do because of the maybe some of the stuff on the ice. But yeah, that's the um, one spot for me yeah. since I I can't say Godzilla minus one since I haven't seen it. Uh, mine's uh, the creator. Okay, uh, Vegas is Vegas, this is the closest betting odds we've had yet in the show here. Vegas has a straight tie right now between the creator. And Godzilla minus one. Uh, I'm with Katie. I know. I'm with Katie. I was very high on the creator where what you did, what you did with 80 to make it look like 300, and you know, yeah. and the 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 I don't want to say the performance capture slash makeup when you have Ken Watanabe and the little girl looking so good, Madeline. Yep. Um, where that's... from a volume? If you want to go from a volume standpoint, that's there. But I I think I'm, I'm with Will here, where I think the little guy. Who tries hard and is super successful? This is the spot. This is the RRR of this year. This is the spot to get the good stuff from from a foreign spot, a beloved movie, an audience favorite. This is this is a great place to reward Godzilla. You minus would one. have no idea Godzilla minus one was made for ten million dollars. No, no clue. Not you a would chance. think it was a hundred fifty million dollar production. Yeah, based on how it looks, mm. especially. I mean, I know that the the creature, you know, Godzilla himself looks a little weird with the eyeballs and stuff, but I think it's more because yeah. they're throwing back to. The original yeah exactly but that stuff when like you're seeing like japanese cities having like mushroom clouds in them and stuff it's not only just mm-hmm. like powerful from the visual stuff but it's also yeah. just like actually the visual effects i think not that the creator doesn't but i think the visual effects mm-hmm. really play into the story that's another thing that i think true. true the oscars like to do with visual effects now is if it really plays into the concept of it not to say that any of these other ones it doesn't but it just feels like like creator is great, but it does feel like some of the shots are glor- like money shots. Like, okay, look how amazing yeah, this yeah. is. That's Godzilla true. feels everything is economical. It's there. It's there because the visual effects are only there to service the story completely. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no, uh, what do you call it? Um, just showy shit. There's no showy <laughs> shit at all. It's, it's all there Technical for the plot. Term, yeah. Yeah, all right. Um, we look at us in an hour, make it through the undercard here. One category to go, six minutes before we got to call it in an hour. Best cinematography, the finest of the artsy categories. Mm. You have El Conde by Edward Lockman, uh, unnominated. You have Rodrigo Prito's work in Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, single nominated instead of double nominated. The man had two films this year that should have been here. Um, you have Matthew Libatique for Maestro. You have Hoyt Van Hotema for Oppenheimer. And you have Robbie Ryan's work with the fisheye lens of Yorgos Lanthimos in Poor Things. Uh, best cinematography. If I'm, 
should win, will win. I'm a, um, this is the one time where I think I'm not normally Jorgos Lanthimos guy where the fisheye shit bothers the hell on me with the corner, the corner, the back following stuff and, and the fisheye. But if there's a place where it works, uh, for the fantastical of where the movie's going, this is the place where it works, where I, I tip my hat to Robbie Ryan, poor things. He won't win, but he should. Um, without Barbie here, which was the other Rodrigo Prito thing, um, this is this is Oppenheimer. It's Hoyt Van Hotema who you know they shoot this thing in in IMAX 3D. It's it's mm-hmm. just the 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 volume of work it takes to create that monstrous movie. I get it. So uh, yeah, also I, my heart says poor things. My my head says Oppenheimer. Also surprised Zone of Interest isn't in here. Also, I thought um, that had some yeah really striking cinemas. Yeah, striking, yeah. And, and the fact that they were able to. It's it's weird because it's visually striking, but at the same time, the it's stuff a, and this and this supports the sound. Can be. Yeah, this supports the sound. It is does that, by like, so being so still. Mm-hmm. The actual stuff that you yeah. could see. Oh yeah, the voyeuristic so distance. Yeah, yeah, so, so it's, true. That's very powerful, and I'm actually surprised. Um, but in terms of yeah, just visual splendor, I'm going Oppenheimer. Just it just yeah, it, it completely just takes you into that world and mm. and the fact that and the stuff that really bothered me about things like interstellar and um uh what's the other one um the one i hate so much inception sure. um the stuff that just felt like pretentious garbage that was being shown the fact that like the fact that the character of oppenheimer the person but the character in the movie mm-hmm. is so connected to his creation and the fact that we're seeing inside Adams being split and bombs going off and stuff. Yeah. It felt appropriate to the story and the figure. And I was, I was mesmerized by it. So okay. I think it's definitely going to be Oppenheimer. Katie, you get the last word in the last category tonight. Hit us up. I think it's going to be Oppenheimer. Uh, I agree though. I, I feel like it should be poor things. I feel like there's mm-hmm. some visuals in poor things that, are just stunning. Um, just even things that are just show her being free and just are just hilarious. But I just, everything about it is just so magical. And, but yeah, no, I think it's going to be Oppenheimer. Yeah. This is, uh, as I don't want to say lock of the night, but like, this has been the deepest odds between frontrunner and everything else is that I've been looking up in our little show here. Oppenheimer is like just huge favorite. Nothing else is, even close where yeah. I get it. It's, it's there. Um, look at us. That's the whole undercard of arts and technical, small feature films. When we see you folks next week, we'll do screenplays. We'll do the four acting categories and we will do director and picture and we can stretch our legs because we want to cover so many categories. So look at us speed through here. Um, final thoughts. Yay. Oscars. <laughs> um, I, I, my final thoughts, I'm guessing could echo Katie where, uh, again, we said at the beginning of the show, there's a lot of little great movies out there from the polite societies, the Iron Claws, the Origins. Like, there's there's artistically fine movies out there that are unique and different. Where if you wanted to spread the wealth, they might not be the Oppenheimers of the world, but you can get the get them in these categories in some places where the 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 depth of under the cards, under the title stuff is is always there, and they never they they there's they miss so many down here, and it's a shame to see. I agree. Uh, yeah, like you said, Don, there's so many things. And I feel like one of the problems with that is that they, so many studios, well, and I don't know if it had anything to do with the strike, but it's like so many studios put so many of their films, like at the last, not even half of the year, but like four months of the year. So then you just are just so overwhelmed with what's out there when, I mean, I said it last year, the first six months, I I thought it was a drought. I thought it was not worthy of the year before there were maybe two and neither of those two that I loved. Um, no past lives actually got a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, or got a lot of recognition, which I'm so happy about, but a thousand and one got no recognition. Mm. I mean, I think there's so many factors in that that should have been like with screenplay director, actress, there's so many different categories that it could have been nominated for. And all of the strangers that was out at the mm. end, Mm. I mean, there are a lot of films I think got missed and it's a shame because I think this would have been a much better competition. Can you imagine if the strike kept going 
and we had a shut. The Oscar doors were shut when the strike hit when Oppenheimer and Barbara came out. Can you imagine a strike short year that stopped in July? Amazing. Because everything backloaded we're talking about isn't even here. Yeah, Flaming Hot would be the 10th nominee for it's something like that. Picture. It'd be really oh weird. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. All right. Next show, folks, we'll take you to the big hitters. Will, you cool taking us out of here? Yes, sir. Well, first folks. things first. Katie, yes. tell us where tell us where to find you on the socials. No, too late. All right, folks. We not, no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the blonde in front on Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, woo woo. Um, my okay. website and yeah. YouTube. <laughs> cool. Sorry, my my uh, I hate TikTok. I, I hate a lot of things today. What's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, friends send me stuff on TikTok. I'm like, I'm not looking at this. Um, all right, folks. Uh, here's what I do like, though. Websites where you can give us money. Uh, folks, we now have merch from shirts to stickers. Find some sweet cinephile hissy fit swag on TeePublic. That's T as in a t-shirt. T-E-E public.com slash user slash ruminations radio network. Follow us on Twitter at cinephile fit, not on TikTok, on Facebook at cinephile fit podcast and Instagram at cinephile fits. Find both of us by name on Letterboxd to check out our film reviews and ratings. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes. Thank you so much for your loyal listenership in our tussles and for connecting with us on social media. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a Ruminations Radio Network podcast sponsored by Film Obsessive. If you enjoyed this show, the Ruminations Radio Network has more excellent programming with stellar hosts and spirited topics. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show and others on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.